Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Sports Drone Podcast, day two of the third test, and the match situation is as follows. Australia, 116-4, um, in response to England's first innings of 237, in which they gave Australia a 26-run lead. England in the first innings of 237, responding to Australia's 263, had Ben Stokes, who made 80, Pat Cummins for 6 for 91, and Australia, as I said, 116 for 4. Travis had 18 not out, Mitch Marsh 17 not out, Usman Khwaja top scoring with 43 so far, and Moeen Ali, the pick of the bowls, with 2 for 34 after 17 overs. Australia with a lead of 142 with 6 wickets in hand. Wow, just when it looks like the the fascination and the interest of this test series might finally dissipate. There might finally be sort of a conventional day of of dominance, which occurs in, in long series, as usually have days where teams just completely dominate. Something happens, someone pulls back, someone refuses to give up, and that was the story of day two yesterday. Um, because it started off with the worst possible start for England. Joe Root was out to Pat Cummins. Um, and then Johnny Bairstow was out to Mitchell Stark, chasing a wide one. Joe Root sort of poked at, at a ball that rose off a bit of a length. Um, could have easily left it, but it was sort of just uh, the probing accuracy of Pat Cummins, which led to that wicket. Um, and at that stage, it was Moeen Ali and Ben Stokes in England were, what, five down for 100 on, essentially. Right, I, I can check that for you now. Yeah, they're five for 87, even less than that. Five for 87, still trailing by another 180. If there wasn't any resistance offered, they could have easily got bowled out fired at 170, giving Australia a 90-run lead, which is a, it, it's a major lead. And so England realised that the series was in a dire position. Ben Stokes and Moen only realised this, and they, they realised that they sort of had to graft their way out of it and sort of ease the chaos, because it wasn't about an ideological war at this stage. It wasn't about baseball. It wasn't about playing a normal conventional approach. It was just about surviving this phase in the test match so you stay within touching distance and as a result you stay within touching distance of the series and the series isn't over on session one on day three so yeah they went back to this sort of conventional approach which ben stokes has actually shown glimpses of in the series there have been pressure moments where he's just sort of taken the pressure off by just blocking usually towards the end of the day johnny bairstow and joe root kind of showed it yesterday um and so it wasn't necessarily even the moderated basketball approach we were talking about where they sort of easier aggression by picking the right shots it was just back to regular test cricket in which the good deliveries are defended and they waited for the bad ball to score off they weren't on the front foot with their intent they weren't always looking to score it was more sort of just take pack Cummins away let's see him off let's come back towards the end, end of the day let's come back in the later parts of the day and then cash in um and Crickvis, as always, doing their great work. Um, they shared that said that England's defensive rate was f- they defended forty one percent of deliveries in the first session. It's the highest defensive rate of any session that England played um, in that series, which highlights that yeah, they, I think they read the situation pretty well. I, I don't think you can criticize them for sort of going back on their ideology because I don't think they necessarily went back on their ideology. I think they just showed gamesmanship, which is to an extent been the public consensus after the first two tests that better gamesmanship needs to be shown and this sort of stubbornness towards attacking basketball and sort of lack of accountability at times is honestly hindering them and has hindered them from potentially two test match victories um the graft was done um they did the hard work and then Moeen Ali top edges a short ball Chris Wokes gloves the short ball to the keeper soft dismissals in England all of a sudden are seven down and they need more Ben Stokes magic to keep them within touching distance does not help the cause at all um Mark Wood after lunch provides some 
um, very necessary impetus. I think he sort of got the momentum going. Um, and it was it was just it was refreshing once I get to see it. I think that's a word that I'm I've associated with Mark Wood this test match. Refreshing because yeah, everything he's doing is is good to see. There is a a positivity and a renewed intent that I can see with Mark Wood. But the major role was the role of Ben Stokes again. If you guys remember the India Australia series, there was an aging narrative that was sort of pretty redundant, pretty old, um, and pretty sort of saturated and out of date. That was coming from the Australian legends. Um, I think Ian Healy and Alan Border in particular. Um, they were saying that Pat Cummins and the Australian team don't play this tough, hard-nosed cricket. My opinion on this is that it's a completely misplaced opinion, and an opinion that really doesn't prove anything because the goal of a cricket match is to win, and win in sort of a way where you conduct yourself respect respectfully according to the rules of the game, not a fabricated spirit of cricket, um, to make that clear. Um, so to not have these outward shows of toughness and resilience is fine, as long as if you're sort of, you're, you're getting the job done or at least your tactics and your, your intent are well placed. Um, Ben Stokes, the more I look at him though, it, it sort of feels like that he fits this typical ageing Australian narrative and that's not me saying that Ben Stokes agrees with it or that he agrees with the criticism that was received by Pat Cummins and co. I'm sure he's receptive to different ways cricket cricket can be played, but he is emblematic of this typical chivalrous warrior-esque figure who just battles through the plethora of difficulties that sort of plague him. Um, it's emblematic of a typical movie storyline. Ben Stokes is a guy who says, you must get past me first. If you get past me, then only you have a chance of success. So when England got past seven of the batters, including one of the world's best ever in Joe Root, um, and sort of the dashing top order of England, Harry Brooks, Zach Crawley, Ben Duckett, they're like, oh yeah, we can get Stokes, but Stokes is like, no. If you, when you think you're ahead, I will be there to sort of make you pay. Um, and funnily, whenever I watch Ben Stokes, he always seems to have some sort of injury problem whenever he's involved in the sort of the heat of the action. Perhaps maybe he puts a bit of mayo on. I don't know. Um, but we know that Ben Stokes' body has been, has been through a lot, especially bowling-wise. And um, yesterday again, similar situation, Lord, similar situation, handling 2019, now he's handling 2023. He took the counter-attack with the tail. He added essentially um, 50 runs and around 20, 25 balls. And now England were within touching distance. It, it ensured that they were out of the game now. Yes, they gave Australia a lead, but they were in the game still, especially with sort of how threatening, threatening they can be in a fourth inning chase. To sort of continue and conclude on this point, ironically, I think Pat Cummins um, displays the resilience and toughness in his own way. Um, it doesn't come from an outward show of sort of outward show that he's battling through physical toughness or battling through injuries because he probably can't battle through injuries of physical toughness as a bowler, especially with the record that he has had as a bowler um, with the injuries that played his career early on. Um, but with Pat Cummins, I think the toughness and resilience comes through his surreal relentlessness. The ability to run in ball after ball with the same pace, the same intensity, the same sort of speed of hip rotation and the physical force that he exerts and he keeps peppering away at the same spot. Constantly asking questions of the world's best batters, no matter where he is around the world, because he's shown he can do it everywhere around the world, and that's why he's the world's best. Six wickets again yesterday, six for 91, his first five for in England, and I, I, I felt it was due, because I think he's actually bowled very, very well in England on all these away Ashes series. He's the guy that plagues England. He gets some big wickets, especially the big wicket of Joe Root. He seems to have a bit of a number on Joe Root. Um, 
and this six for this first five for in England, it was just when Australia needed it to. It was an under par total. You probably found Australia with fifty short. They needed an incredible bowling performance, and guess who? The skipper delivered. The ball to root was typical Cummins, probing the probing the edge at a length. Rose used any resources that the pitch provides, bit of extra balance. Rooks pokes it at his gone. He showed his versatility through the the short ball plan, um, and there were good balls to sort of the likes of. Um, Likes of um, Duckett and um, Brooke as well. It was it was typical Pat Cummins. Going into the second things, Australia probably went into that inning saying that yeah we're ahead but we still need to back really well to ensure that England are behind in this test match. So and I I think the pitch while it had uneven balance I still think it's quite a good wicket to balance. I think Australia would should have been targeting around three fifty minimum in their third innings. Um, doesn't look like they're going to get there. Um, unless there is a historically good performance on a comeback from Mitchell Marsh or Travis Head keeps up what he's doing but I don't necessarily think it's been a major fault of their own I thought England just bowled very tight and accurate I thought I, I, Jared Kimber did a great piece on how England sort of are the best at this sort of third innings pickle um, which essentially refers to teams spending the third innings that don't, don't necessarily how to approach a match because they might either have a lead um but time might be a factor. If time isn't a factor, uh, the pitch is starting to play up a bit, so they don't know exactly what is enough. Um, and England are sort of the best at exposing third innings pick or showing the statistics in which they have sort of the one of the best run rates at bowling in the third innings. So they're very good defensively. Um, but I think yesterday, yeah, they were good defensively, and that was shown through the figures of people like Moeen Ali, who went at 2 and over, which I'll come to later, the role of Moeen Ali. But... I think they produced very good wicket-taking deliveries, and I think David Warner was one quadra were the best examples of that. I don't think there was much a Warner could have done. Um, it wasn't like the first sittings where he was a bit outside the line of off stump and probably could have left it. This was sort of, he cramped him up to an extent, squared him up, seemed to waver at the very end, typical board, and it was taken well by Zach Crawley, who I think has shown great signs of a slipper um, in this test match. To be critical of Warner, he probably could have a bit more proactive with his front foot to ensure that he wasn't cramped and surprised and, and sort of squared up. Kawaja got a similar delivery from Wilkes um, over the wicket angle, um, just sort of left his body very late. Once again, Kawaja was probably caught a bit of no man's land with his feet, but it didn't necessarily go outside the box. And maybe he could have left it, but I think that's sort of his angle that drew him into play. Um, Labuschagne and Smith, on the other hand, soft dismissals, and to have that from your best two batters, it's it's tough for Australia because it, it I think it's emblematic or it sort of it showcases that they they sort of to an extent have left let the advantage slip a bit once again. And I think they let the advantage slip a bit in the second test match as well. Um just giving England a bit of a a bit of a sniffin and more than a sniffin now in this third test match. And Lords are getting a bit of a sniffin. In this third test match England well and truly in this game. If it's probably a fifty five, forty five game towards Australia. Um, Smith's dismissal just seeing the concentration lapse. It was it was a good field. It was sort of challenging Smith's scoring options. So it made him try something different. I think he just sort of just lost his concentration, played the shot that he just shouldn't have played. Labuschagne though just seemed something completely premeditated and I think it's reflective of his sort of mental space right now in batting. He seems to get to his twenty thirties fighting of the tough periods and he just gives his wicket away. What it seemed like that he was trying to play a sort of a premeditated sweep, but I think Moe Pitch should a bit further down the pitch, a bit shorter length. It might have also been a bit more sort of, bit more air on it. 
So Labuschagne sort of, I think, tried to adjust to a bit of a long sweep, but he got quite far ahead of his body, top edge, and he was gone. Just seemed completely needed a shot with the way he was batting because there were gaps there. They were just rotating singles, punishing the bad balls, and he looked good. The, the straight drive of, um, I think it was Wokes, was a great sort of example of how good he looked because when you're playing straight and flicking, that's Labuschagne at his best. When he's staying so still, looking balanced into crease, that's Labuschagne at his best, and he just threw his wicket away. At a time, Australia didn't need his wicket to be thrown away. Um, I don't want the sort of the significance of what Moeen Ali did yesterday to be undermined because he does cop a lot of stick. He copped a lot of stick for his inclusion. He copped a lot of stick for his sort of inconsistency and to an extent his performance in the first test. So I think credit has to be given when he deserves credit. Two for 34 after 17 overs picking up the two main stalwarts of the Australian batting lineup at Steve Smith and Manus Lambuchet and going at two and over, ensuring Australia don't get away, ensuring he doesn't leak from an end is good on its own. But to do that, when you have essentially two fast bowlers that cannot bowl, Ben Stokes, which they sort of knew and they planned for at the start of the test match, and Ollie Robinson, who suffered a back spasm day one, ensured that if Moeen Ali gave easy runs away, this test match would have got quickly out of hand for England because they didn't have the, re the resources at the other end to sort of tie it up. Moeen Ali had to be the one that tied it up because they had Chris Wokes who hadn't played test matches for a while and sometimes can go searching and give wickets away. Mark Wood's role is to literally be the enforcer which we discussed yesterday, so he will go for runs at times. Stuart he's reliable. He'll be as reliable as ever, but it's only so much Stuart can do. He's played three test matches in a row, and he is also aging. So Moeen Ali's role was very, very important. I think Ben Stokes was smart in his captaincy. While he did attack um, certain scoring zones, like he did with Steve Smith, he also ensured that Moeen Ali had good enough defensive pressure, um, defensive sort of support. So he had few boundary riders. Um, there were a few gaps. Uh, so I guess it, it sort of avoided a, a Jack Leach situation at the Gabba in the in the previous Ashes series, and that, that's good captaincy. That's that's smart captaincy. But Moinelli, I think I thought his lines were good. I thought his lengths were good. I thought he was accurate. I thought he was. I thought he was mature. I thought it was a performance in England completely needed, and um, there was a great line on ESPN cricket for written by um, the great um, Vitul. Sorry, let me just get his name right. Um, the great Vitushan. Um, I won't try to pronounce his last name, but the, the great Vitha Shun also wrote a great piece on, um, he wrote a great piece on Ben Stokes at the end of the last test match. Um, there's a great quote, but for every double act needs a straight man. Here was, by his own mission, the least reliable control bowler going, keeping it all together. Moinelli needed. He was needed to sort of make Ben Stokes' act valuable. He was needed to keep England within this test match and make their recovery work meaningful, make their craft work meaningful and I guess that was the theme of Moinelli's day, he was crafting. He crafted with the bat, threw it away, but I think he redeemed himself with the craft, he did with the ball, and to an extent, shut up if you haters, shut up if you critics, um, because the finger is still hurting, I think that was evidently seen with some on-screen shots and even some off-screen shots well captured by parts in the race and England are afloat, um, but they have to be switched on from ball one tomorrow. Because Travis and Mitchell Marsh in an hour can take the game away. 60, 70 quick runs in an hour can take the game away. But conversely, good balls that are probing can also get them out. With Travis Head, I think they need to reconsider the short ball plan. He's actually played pretty well. I don't think it's necessarily the short ball that gets Travis Head out. I think it's the ball that cramps him around his hip, where he sort of just fends at it. I think that's the ball. I don't think it's bounces. I think he can pull decently well. Even if it's compulsively, I think he can pull decently well. But yeah, England have to be switched on. Australia will be looking for. 
some more rearguard rear attacking action from head, marsh, and if carry and the tail can sort of chip in, basically as many runs as it can. I think it's really important to try to get to a 350 run lead minimum, a 300 run lead at the utmost minimum. Um, because I think with 250, I generally think that's like a score that England can win. But even with 300, 350, with the way England chase, you just never know. It's not you haven't batted England out of the game, but it's pitch has more spice in it, and it's probably more suited to this Australian bowling lineup. So I don't think the 350, 300 will be a cakewalk. I think it's still sort of really ahead of the game, but England in the game. It's gonna be fascinating. But England have to be switched on the series on the line. Day three. See you then. If you did enjoy and you're enjoying these daily breakdowns, please. The follow any podcast app is much appreciated. A good review and any feedback um, is also always much appreciated. See you tomorrow.